Faro? No. No? What are you talking about? Wasn't he not? Real? No, you're thinking of um, you're thinking of uh, Colin Farrell as Quaid and uh, oh fuck, what's it called? Total Recall. Total Recall. Thank you. No. Yes. What? Yeah. Colin Farrell was Quaid from Total Recall. No. Yeah. I'm not about the Irish guy. Yeah, Colin Farrell. He's not Quaid. He's Quaid in the remake. Oh, um, in the remake of yes, Total Recall. Yeah. And hey, was Rocop in the remake? Then? Some guy who cares? Ch- Chai Courtney probably. Huh? Lawrence Kelp <laughs> Leonard Leonard uh, Was it Leonard or Lo- No it was Leonard Leonard, Leonard Kelp uh, Leonard Fishbass That didn't make any sense yeah. uh, No Bojack Horseman Had uh, Some characters in it That were kind of Mamey sort of Jokey things Like some of the characters Were just Their name was Something silly And there was yeah, I think it was I, a guy Quentin Tarantula Was one <sighs> Blew my sides out I knew you really Loved that show <laughs> <laughs> but no, there was a guy called like something. Uh, Hi, I'm I'm a something Seacrest ca- guy, as in like I'm a generic such and such guy because such and such Seacrest guy or such and such Seacrest. I had to Google it because I don't know who the fuck this person was. But there's a, a guy called like Billy Seacrest or something, and he's like this famous American TV guy who just does all these sort of cheesy mm, pop like, songs. No, uh, like he's a host for lots of crappy reality shows. Oh, okay. Like, good looking, yeah. good looking, generic like white Joe guy. Kind of. Yeah. What is it? A bit like Joe Rogan. No, not as cool and edgy as Joe Rogan because he's so cool and edgy. But yeah, with his fucking muscle products and <laughs> brain <laughs> stems or whatever he sells. His fucking pandering to conspiracy theorists who fucking don't believe in the Sandy Knock assassination. No, you fucking Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook. Sandy Knock. <laughs> <laughs> or is me trying to be like? Topical. Yeah. Uh, topical of like, what, like two years ago as well? Yeah, but it's still going on actually. Like, well, there's a podcast that I listened to the other day. I just tell people holding out that Sandy Hook wasn't real. There was a guy who apparently had to move house more than 10 times or, or fucking, I don't know, something like that, five, or so, I don't know. He had to move house several times because the Sandy Hook uh, conspiracy theorists were coming around harassing him, saying that his kids didn't really die and he was a fucking government plant. Jesus. Like, as well as him grieving for his dead children, he had these fucking nutcases sent by Alex Jones to fucking harass him. Like, My goodness. pretty horrific. You get a sense of where, like, you know, people like Fred Phelps and stuff came from. Mm. Do you remember Fred Phelps? Yeah, the whole God yeah, Hits God Fags guy. Thing, yeah. Why was he so obsessed with Fags? Why? <laughs> well, see, this is what, like, this is what, like, I know that's, that's what I think is kind of interesting about this because, like, because, like, I mean, I have the same experience as you. It's like, why is he so obsessed with, like, the fags <laughs> and like um and it sort of feels like it came out of nowhere but like because the internet age you know if that sandy hook thing happened you know just like like we're like what the hell is this mm. you know we would have the same sort of experience but now we actually do have the breadcrumb trail it's like it started off with a weird internet weirdo wanting to uh promote himself by saying that a national tragedy really didn't happen and then mm. enough acolytes who are paranoid and sad got together to harass a bunch of innocent people, a bunch of grieving innocent people. And so that way we could start saying, like, this is how these things start. This is why there was Fred Phelps protesting a, a, a victim of homophobic murder, mm-hmm. uh, why there's protesters at a funeral. You know, it's like, this is how it begins, a bunch of... Oh, you're saying, like, Fred Phelps is a good example of the people getting the wrong end of the stick and going out and protesting something? Yeah, it's like- I think so. Like, and I mean, maybe somebody might probably... I'm sure there's probably more to Fred Phelps' story than... I know. Well, I, I see the correlation because it's like they're going. They were going to soldiers, 
yes. funerals. Yeah. And, and like nothing to do. The soldier wasn't gay. The soldier's mm. family wasn't gay. But because he was in the army and the army was allowed, gay people were allowed in the army. Yeah. The whole army was condemned, therefore. Yeah. Which is just such a tenuous thing. It's like <laughs> everything is gay or something. It's like mm. this fire hydrant is gay because it fucking. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's firemen who are gay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting, of course, that of for them, their whole thing was a kind of form of Calvinism. Which a very extreme form of Calvinism, but it was like if anybody dies, it's God doing it. Which like mm. everyone dies, which is like so. Why is this? You know, on natural death then is mm. the extension to which they died because God chose them to die. And like, how do they decide when God is letting someone just die in a nice way, or if mm. God is doing it because they're a sinner? Yeah. How do they, how do they decide that? Yeah. <laughs> How do they say if it's whether it's God's will because you're just it was your time and you served him well or you're a dirty heathen and he, you had to be punished? And or is it every time someone dies there was probably a reason for it? Is that the whole logic? I th- like I think yeah I think that's sort of the thing. If anybody dies before their time, they're being punished for something. And even when a baby's dying, all they kind of go, "Ah, oh, well, the baby must have had a sinner mother." Uh, it's punishment for the mother. Uh, yeah. Fuck me. And like I don't want to go into like- a theodicy here, but I mean I don't see. <laughs> How the idea of like a full Calvinist version of like an extreme Calvinist version of the world where God controls everything makes sense because doesn't really yeah I mean like then every sinner would be dead if he was having direct like effect on the world you wouldn't let anybody through I mean and then it makes you think like if you're really taking that to its logical conclusion does that mean like every second that you're breathing and alive you're supposed to be groveling and going thank you for letting me continue <laughs> I think like, that is genuinely what they believe it's like me. you have to honour him in every action you do including having a shit <laughs> <laughs> if you like have really bad diarrhoea and you're going to be like well maybe you shouldn't have... have been so bad <laughs> yeah what have I done to annoy God yeah so, I don't know. Anyway. Honest, it is literal madness. Like, it literally, it's just this sort of, like, f- making all these completely bizarre correlations to every single thing that goes on around you. Like, it's just, that is literally madness. Like, Well, see, this is where, like, the interesting parallels with things like QAnon is... God, it always comes down to fucking QAnon. I love <laughs> the same talking points. Like, But, yeah, it's like... It's a, um, it's a good reference point for uh, our current, current uh, world, I suppose. What is interesting about the Internet age is, like, I don't like I said, like the reason where my point started off like originally, which is like these things come seem to seem to have come out of nowhere. You know, we'd only hear about Fred Phelps once he was fully formed, but now because of the internet, we can sort of see the maturation of it. And it's like the people who are into QAnon, there's they're like they're a demographic. They're usually divorcees or mentally unwell, or you know they have a lot of like shirt stuff. And basically, the, the common factor between all of them. Not all of them, obviously, but uh, is that they're deeply vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course, they're basically believe the same thing as the Calvinists. is like mm. the whole, every action in the world is controlled, but in their case, it's controlled by an evil cabal of pedophiles mm-hmm. rather than God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like both of them impose, like, so that's the shared, that's the shared mythology between the two. They both have imposed control in the entire world. And mm-hmm. you can sort of see how that might be appealing to somebody who's lost complete control of their well, life. Th- that's the thing, isn't there not? Like, I don't know much about this, but isn't there not uh, like a really, uh, it's it's like every single human being has this kind of uh, impulse to form meaningful patterns out of things. Like, so when you, when you sort of experience well, all this confusion in information, you have, you try to, 
connect it to some sort of source it, it's it's satisfying to do so or something or yeah, it's like no it definitely is like um there's names of extreme versions of it i can't remember what it's called like anonymia or something like that mm. but like yes i human like humans do put patterns together but the thing is we also have a higher intellect which also discerns other like you know okay that pattern that tree looks a bit like a face but i know it's not a face mm-hmm. you know we have higher reasoning and stuff and then yeah. like uh, like you know, a oh, we qu- still see faces and everything as well. That's yeah. what's that called? Paragolia. 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 Yeah. Paragolia. And so yeah, in the same way, like you know, you might even like say one day you come home and like to your wife, and then your neighbor just happened to be visiting. You'd be like, "That's a weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. Were they up to something before I came here?" You know, that's forming a pattern. Now you have very little evidence to go with it, but like it's not completely unreasonable. However, if you were then to like divorce your wife in the back of that, that would be taking, that would be kind of like you losing control. That'd of be like faculties. a QAnon level. Yes. Of- well, yeah, exactly. You know, you've spotted a pattern and you've extrapolated it and you haven't tested, like you haven't gone like to find out anything is true. Of course, that's what humans are good for as well. We're good at finding higher reasoning evidence and methodology and discipline. And it's always that thing I always go down to. It's like a lot of people talk about human beings as kind of being like, like you know, there's no free will. We're just a series of chemistry and or whatever, you know, we're impulses or behaviors that we've learned from other places. But obviously, you know, we do have discipline, which makes us aware of our basic instincts and lets us control those things. Discipline's an interesting word in that context, I suppose. Like you, yeah, but discipline's learned, isn't it? Like it's just sort of, it's, it's given to you by... Yeah, behaviors of others. That's all. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't complex. Know. Ouch! <laughs> like, if we if we raised a child in in a vacuum, you know, would they grow up with any kind be of very dusty? <laughs> <laughs> or suffocated, of course. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> see, this is why people the Calvinists would be like, "Well, the mother shouldn't have she should yeah, have cleaned see, more." See what the scientists are doing? They're suffocating children. <laughs> But um, yeah, so like, I don't know if they would like, you know, it is probably something kind of given to you. And I guess in that sense, you know, you really want to really want to try to pull apart the free will question. You know, well, you got those disciplines because of the But you know what? That's a fucking boring question. Anyway. Well, I don't know what you mean there. You got those disciplines because of what? Of your what upbringing, access to education because of the people who raised Nature, you. Nature, nurture, that type of thing? Well, more or? like how can you say you have free will whenever the things that give you the ability to make f- rational free will choices wasn't your choice yeah because so, you're not we we'll see i don't know this is the where where psychology collides with sociology or something is it it's like your free will is based on your environment like your 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 socialization in that environment will yeah. definitely like um, I, not just influence how you think but influence how you, what decisions you think are rational or what decisions you think are right or yeah or fucking yeah. not right right and rational is not the words i'm looking for i'm sort of like uh, most like but yes Yes, I not into you or more yeah, more that, useful like, or something. That is definitely like an argument, I suppose. Is like, you know, damn right it is. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying <laughs> where where we like where where we came from. Like, obviously affects who we are as adults. But I mean, in the kind of like moment to moment free will, like you know, I think we have it, and I don't think you can like defer it to say, oh well, there is no such thing as free will because all these factors are, you know. But like, <laughs> see, I remember you saying something. I thought you said the opposite of this. What, last time? Mm, some years ago. That's okay, because then I don't believe what I used to believe. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have free will to change your mind. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but... Uh, tr- um, true free will is uh, is knowing to be big enough to admit when you were wrong. Yeah. 
put it down. <laughs> put down the demon. Um, that was the noise to indicate uh, that we are being dicks. No, uh, what was he saying? It got me off my thought. Oh, yeah. So I thought you believed the opposite, which was that all... We're, we're, we're just blobs, like at the, at the whims of a giant physical system. Mm, I will actually, maybe this is a bit more abstract. Maybe it can, it can still work with your current beliefs. I remember you sent me like, cause I was like, what is consciousness, man? You know, like consciousness is so complex. What is it though? I mean, it's, it's really complex. And you're like, I think consciousness is just a series of memories that you form throughout your life. And you know, that's it. You're just a series of memories. I sometimes worry that's what it is. <laughs> I, I was like really bummed out. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Um, I don't know. Like I do think like, I think like maybe I said that once. Um, do you remember saying that? I remember, I remember believing that once, uh, but I'm, like kind of a long while ago, like maybe yeah. like eight or nine or ten or twelve years ago, possibly. Yeah, but um, I can remember we were talking about in Mum's kitchen. <laughs> yeah, then maybe <laughs> even, even longer ago than that. Then, but uh, stay with me, man. <laughs> it's affected you. <laughs> yes, I think what I used to believe. Well, what I do believe, I have softened over the years, and what I believe now. I, that there is a kind of irreconcilable difference between the ex- between the experiencing consciousness and the physical reality, and like I mean, a lot of people who might be more material or like materialists might say, you know, well, just because you can't consciously reconcile that difference doesn't mean it can't be reconciled. There is physical phenomena and all this stuff. Just because your brain is too limited to appreciate that uh, limit, then well, anyway, the point is, uh, while there is a kind of like ambiguity there. Between, between the physical world and consciousness, yes, and how the two sort of yeah, differ. yeah. I, I think like in that tension, you know, that's where all of our kind of like sort of like ego myths come from. Mm-hmm. It's like the subconscious, they think the inside voice. Uh, you know, I am uh, a solipsistic belief. I'm the only one who's real. All this stuff, or even God like or, yeah, or even just like I am a thinking. Like even the kind of like heresy of I am a thinking person. You know, uh, cogno ergo sum is a kind of like weird sort of center of ego, and it's like, well, so I think therefore I am. Yes. Uh, so like, yeah, and it's, I think like you know how much that that stuff is like central to how like we experience the world, and it's like they kind of rule it out as just a series of like, oh, it's just uh, synop- synoptic impulses. It's like it that could be true. It doesn't matter because the entirety of how we conceive the universe. Is is divorced from that, you know? Like you can't. We like if if you take those things away, we're effectively dead. You know. I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I understand. <laughs> you said like it. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether we believe consciousness and uh, reality are separate or one thing, because if you take away all consciousness, you can't. No, there's no one around to perceive it anyway. So you know, we can't. Yeah, and I, I thought like I mean, one thing I always say, like say to you a lot, is like I always talk about like what I always call the kind of spiritual matrix, and it's like it's a way to try to reconcile the like impossible to reconcile things of our of our nature, which is like you know. I'm angry when I'm hungry, you know, or like, or just even just like, I'm in love with somebody, you know, it's like, these are like, you know, we don't really fully, obviously there's like a biological factor to all this, but there's also like a huge psychological factor. And it's like, but we are, we as a, as a thinking inside voice of reason that tries to protect ourselves or even extend ourselves like into the future, like this, that part of it doesn't really reconcile with the kind of like the, the bodily thing, which is like the impulse, the more physical impulses, like exactly, yeah. And so then, you know, that's where like kind of like spirituality starts trying to fill in those gaps. 
I mean, psychology tries to kind of tries to resolve it too. Psychology is kind of an interesting one because it it very much is a kind of like spiritualism in some ways because you know it takes the kind of aspects of humans that are very easy to prove. Like certain certain like patterns of behavior, you know, oh well, people have the stages of loss and all that stuff. It like these are kind of mythologies built on top of observations about how humans feel. Mm-hmm. So they're not very scientific, but they are understood. And so like then you think like even without religion, in, even in a scientific kind of aspect, we're trying to still resolve kind of these unresolvable ideas about what we are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, my brain is mush. That was so many thoughts, James. I wow, I you're mean, so I, smart. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's your smart award. <laughs> <laughs> well done. With your your uh, high school grade level of uh, philosophizing there. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know... Uh, you know, if you had us stuck in a load of references to a bunch of other philosophers as you were saying all that stuff, it would have been fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, as Descartes says in blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. You cite your sources and then you're a genius. Yeah. All of Everything you said there was stands up and, you know, you just didn't have the references to back it up. But to be fair, like, you've listened to enough philosophers who do have the references, pretty much say all those things and you go, yeah, it's something like that, isn't it? It's pretty much, yeah, I think it's yeah. a pretty good gist of those concept <laughs> concepts and, and how you can kind of stitch them all together. Yeah, but I, I do I do think like... <laughs> this, what, is the, this is the way we express things now. We're just going to go, yeah, I'm pretty sure some guy said this yeah. stuff. And I'm going to read it. There's nothing under page the sun, book. so we just kind of give up and surrender ourselves to it. <laughs> There's a, did you say something about the sun? There's nothing new under the sun. Oh, right, right. I thought you were referring to the newspaper for a second. Oh, no. There's nothing new in the sun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, so this comes back to like this idea of like what discipline is. And discipline's a kind of another kind of like mythologizing of, of the human mind. It's like, oh, what, what's discipline? And like, you know, obviously people talk about things like CBD. CBD? CBT. No, CBT. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, like, and sort of like being like mindfulness and like, yeah, being aware of who you are. And then like even beyond that, like knowing how to cope in a social situation you're uncomfortable with or how to even just maybe even make it an argument or something like that, doing the art of rhetoric. And so these are things in which we take, we understand like not only the kind of function of our own mind and its own limitations and its own weaknesses, but we actually, we conceptualize the minds of other people that we're maybe talking to as well. So for the example, like uh, the art of rhetoric, you know, we will try to be convincing the other person by effectively mapping their psychology onto ours and then trying to convince ourselves of it and these are like these are like practicable disciplines you know in a scenario where somebody starts threatening you you know your your bodily functions kick in and you get the fight and flight response and mm-hmm. then your adrenaline's going and your body's kind of quivering and stuff like that yeah and like there is a way to apply discipline in, even in that scenario to say look this person's probably not going to is probably not going to harm me he's just blowing off a lot of steam and i can try to defuse the situation using my reason. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a, that's, that's a, that's man reining in the animal. Like that's. Dis- yeah. There, there's ways to, yeah. I essentially, as I, you're just saying, are you, am I summarizing you correctly by saying that uh, it's just a way of saying, um, we all have impulses, but we don't necessarily have to be slave to them. Like we can overcome them. Yeah. But like, in addition to that, I'm also saying that these, these kind of things that we like, like discipline, like like what I'm saying, these are kind of like mythologies, like spiritual mythologies about how our minds work, like ways of us controlling our own minds. And we're using something that's kind of something, we're using techniques 
to control something that's not even provable to exist in the first place. And that's what I mean by like a kind of like spiritual matrix. Right. So you're saying when you do discipline yourself in your own impulses and thoughts and things, mm. you're doing that internally. And we're sort of, yeah, we have all these ways of talking about it in the outside world. Like this mm. is psychology, this is CBT. Mm. But actually when you do it yourself inside your own brain, that's all internal. And that's like kind of happening in a, in a space that we can't really understand fully. It's like yeah, and all it's, electrodes. And, and it, it's sort of like, it is, it's a way of like our, br- our brain trying to kind of like rationalize the, well, rationalize the universe. I mean, even the kind of assumption that the person you're talking to even has a brain like yours, you know, you like has the same empathy drives that you have and you're trying to appeal to them. I mean, like that in itself is like quite a, well, in some ways, it's not a large assumption because it's often so case the, tr- the truth. But like, in terms of like how we conceptualize that, it's quite strange. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this other person like has no reason to treat you better. You know, he's threatening you. Why would he? Why would you be able to appeal to his better man? You know, like there, there you go. There's, there's another, I don't know, uh, another spiritual uh, uh, idea. Appeal to his better nature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. That's think how much like how loaded that is with like ideas like even like be, like better nature like kind of you know is there an idea of the uh, original sin are people bad by default you know are they good by default you know so like think about like how- uh, like I think that's really interesting in terms of like uh, historically speaking and then and then to compare it to the conditions that we're living in in the modern world like because if you historically think yeah you, you can see how these culture clashes would come you know when certain nations visit others or certain cultures meet in places mm. and they hadn't they had no idea of each other's existence or their different customs or their different languages or anything like that and they're trying to sort of meet in the middle they're trying to make contact with each other or make some sort of you know it, it's you can imagine how like difficult it was or how challenging it was or how quickly it would go wrong or how drastically it could go wrong and things like that and how violent it becomes mm. And then you look at the modern world now where it's so much, we're so much more connected, you know, like mm. it's, I, I think that's interesting because it, it's not just that, oh, everybody's on the internet now, but it's also that our whole brain's modes of operating now are filled with all these kind of, you know, um, we're experiencing other people at a rate we never yeah, be able to in our yeah, life. Yeah. Having, life. yeah, mm. just having, uh, yeah, like uh, awareness of the thousands and thousands of people that you do in your life, like all these celebrities you follow or all these bands that you're into or TV shows or whatever. Mm. And then just the random things you read online and so on. But but like also the ways that people are can are communicating and the ways the way they've kind of been reduced and limited and so on, but is um is still something that like wouldn't have existed a thousand years ago, hundreds of years ago, even like, mm. you know, 50 years ago, maybe it would have been different. Maybe 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I think that's fascinating because of how dramatically, um, you know, like technology's evolved in really dramatic ways in the last 50 or, you know, years or whatever. But like our minds, you know, what our minds are meant to be doing, or <laughs> like, you know, we're still just these fucking. <laughs> yeah, these animals. Yeah. Elevated animals. Yeah. With very primal urges and instincts and so on but we're being put into these systems that are vastly complex like and our brains can do vastly complex things and process vastly complex things which is interesting Mm. but it's um it's it's almost like is it do you think it could it it could be leading to some sort of evolutionary leap or some sort of you know conditioning into the well yeah well i think 
Well, one thing about evolution is it's it's not driven by progress in any kind. It's driven by death, basically. Mm. Um, but like, I but like, it, what what I always find interesting was that uh, after the introduction of color TVs, uh, loads of people reported dreaming in color where before they mm. hadn't. And so there's this idea that like like the human brain's concept of the world is actually incredibly plastic. I mean, it has to be. I mean, our world is may as well be complete, like an alien planet compared to what it was for, I don't know, even people 200 years ago. But like, say, even cavemen, you know, yeah. who like a single injury would, you know, kill them. You know, our world is completely irre- like completely unrecognizable from theirs. And so, yeah, obviously our brains must be plastic. You know, they must be able to adjust with the environment that they're grown up in. And so, like, again, all these ideas about, like, like who we are and what we are, you know, these kind of, like, oh, pe- these people are born violent or these people are, you know, think of another one, just uh, these people just aren't as smart as these people. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, how completely unlikely that is to be, given that, like, the entirety of the, of your human experience can be adjusted to, by, by experience. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like... And it's funny because you come back to people like Carl Jung and who tries to talk about the kind of great archetype, like the archetypical characters of the human psyche. Mm. And it's like, what's interesting is like how many common mythologies there are between other societies. So there, to like, which he can sort of conjectures is that like there is a kind of like archetypal nature to human beings, kind of like the, the stories they sort of want to tell themselves too. Mm. So. And so it comes down to, like, that's what I'm saying, is this idea that, like, the way we can kind of try to, we conceive our own nature, again, through kind of, like, mythology or spirituality or whatever you want to call that. Um, whenever we regard ourselves, we regard ourselves with metaphors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I have a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to some good podcasts recently, and some of them are about psychology and some of them about philosophy and sociology and other political, political issues and things like that. And it's mm-hmm. quite, it's good. It's, I do like to think about the way humans interact and how that has changed and, mm. and where it might lead and how, where we're heading. And mm. there's a lot of hot takes on the capital um, thing still on a lot of these podcasts because a lot of the podcasts I listen to are American, like, so they're still going on about the capital, uh, the coup d'etat at the uh, capital building. Like. <laughs> I know, I just find it really annoying. Like, I mean, there's some really cool things that people, very interesting things that people are saying. Uh, on, on well, the I felt these. personally threatened by watching this on TV. <laughs> no, you know, people are using that as a way to kind of get into a conversation about breaking down what is democracy and what where are we going, you know, and I find that fascinating. But I just feel like so often these, these commentators sort of never really step back and go, mm. And this is why capitalism's bad. Yes. <laughs> or never step back and go. And this is why this whole thing does not work, and we need <laughs> fucking like, serious rethinking of the whole structures that hold our country together. Like in America, I, I know everyone disagrees with the uh, weird right wing people that stormed the Capitol building, but like, I don't, yeah, <laughs> what? I know, no, nothing. <laughs> uh, no, I sort of. Well, I know that. Like, part of me enjoyed the. Yeah, the op- the uh, watching it all burn. Kind yeah, of it's sort of nihilist thing, I guess. But no, it's more like, um, yeah, because I. Well, sorry, I'll let you finish. I'm just kind of going from there. Well, I think I'm basically about to say your point fun. for you, yeah, <laughs> which is just like, I mean, we know that, that, like, if you assume that the American political structures are inherently broken, and I do assume that, then like. 
I don't know, obviously what you don't want is a right-wing coup d'etat, which then takes over the country and then starts leading it. I mean, that was never a risk. Mm-hmm. Like, what was a real risk was a, a bunch of important politicians were going to be killed by a bunch of lunatics in a crowd. Then the uh, then the military would have rolled in and fucking busted some heads. Yeah. Now, what people were going to worry about was that, like, you know, Trump was going to use this as a moment to then seize and consolidate a load of power. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he'd already lost the election. Then he would become massively unpopular after this this event, mm-hmm. and then like the military would enact martial law until proper mm-hmm. thing, uh, proper political process could be reestablished. But the point is, is that the American government in the first place is already terrible. That's kind of an agreed principle by everybody, but maybe the f- few naive flag wavers mm-hmm. like so. Why the fuck not just burn it to the ground and start yeah. again? And like that's it. Like it would have been kind of exciting if there had been, uh, you know, they had started actually attacking the politicians inside. Mm. And it's a real sense of power has been overthrown here in the greatest nation, you know, in the most powerful nation in the world. This mm. this has happened, and that would have been quite exciting because it's like anything can happen here. <laughs> you know, what does this say to the world? Because this mm. things like that are happening currently all over the fucking world. Like there's mm. every time I fucking turn on the news, it's just like you know protests and marches and fucking uh revolutions and people mm-hmm. burning down political buildings like it's, i can't even think of examples it's happened in south america it's happening in india it's happening like it's quite a co- common thing at, at the moment the whole uh, revolutionary actions i'm like you know this good way. maybe 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 2020 2021 will be like the new 2011 What's that? What happened to 20, uh, with the London rats? London rats, the Arab Springs, the flag protests, and the other one, uh, Occupy. Uh, All in the same year. I seen a meme there yesterday. It was like, remember Occupy? Also nostalgic. Yeah, well, it was kind of. It was almost like that. It was a bit. Uh, it was like uh, somebody across a building had like a must have zoomed into these guys, but there was a bunch of like uh, suits. Mm. taking photos of the Occupy guys and they're laughing among themselves like going look at these guys and it's brilliant they're all down there in tents and stuff yeah. and you just see them all laughing in an evil way it's like this is this is how they feel about your Occupy movement sort of thing you know uh, like I don't even know if that's true it's like it's just some people in suits like, taking photos probably having a taking, nice day out on the yeah. roof while get, kept having a smoke and going yeah. oh look at this yeah, yeah. It's not, it, was, it was framed like look at their evil laughing <laughs> look at them laughing at your cause yeah but maybe it was true. I don't know. Uh, anyway. A good symbol of what people thought. Yeah, because you see those things all the time where like people post a sort of meme about the Tories, and they'll always use like a grab, a photo shot, you know, just a looking a little sinister, just them laughing, you know, evil yeah. laughing in the House of Commons, where they're like, ha ha, yeah. poor people, ha ha, and it just boils your blood instantly. You're like, look at them fuckers, like Tory fucks, hey. Yeah. Someone needs to smash into that building. Although, mind you, I could hear the phrase "happy British fish" a thousand times and be radicalized by it by the end of it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was after. Um, I don't remember their names, which is terrible. But that's okay because, like, anytime I listen to this in the future, they're they'll be completely irrelevant anyway. But it was just some it was just some Tory talking about the success of Brexit, not it had been implemented, and they got their British waters back. And the phrase he used was like, the fish seem happier now. Happy British fish. Someone did say, oh, yes, that's right. Mm. Yes. Actually, earlier today, someone was telling me about like, yeah, the, at least the fish will be happy now knowing that they're in British waters rather than Irish waters or something or European yeah. waters. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just like laughing at that idea. Mm. Yeah. 
lucky fish, eh? Happy fish. It's just like staple fucking Union Jacks onto them or something. Mm. It was like, or just like fire the <laughs> colors of the Union Jack into the water until it's just like Union Jack floating across the, the whole. Just, what, like just use the uh, what is it? Is it, is it the Kuleshov effect? No, it's probably not. Something else. But um, of just like happy British fish and just have it as a picture of all the British people in the crowd, like waving their little flags, and it's just like yeah. There's your fucking fish there because they don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I knew this was going to happen, of course, but like uh, the European Union was like, oh no, Britain's not covered in the um, vaccination plans. That they're like, Well, it was Northern Ireland, wasn't it? Well, it was like everywhere. Well, the UK generally. What was the thing they did a U-turn on the other day where they were not going to give Northern Ireland the vaccine? Like they were giving it to Dublin or they were giving it to the Republic and then they were like, and Northern Ireland isn't included because they're part of Britain. And then they were, and then they changed their mind because they were like, wait, that's a bit mad. Like, a bit horrible. Yeah. Yeah. But like, then everyone's like, oh, you know, look at the European Union finally showing their true colours. I knew that was yeah, coming. that was the thing. And, it, and I was just like, As, this is what you fucking voted for, you... <laughs> fucking morons and I knew this was going to happen I knew whenever the Brexit turned shite because it was really the it was destined to like yeah, yeah, it's no other way like. pl politically and financially inconvenient um, like whenever it eventually turns to shit it'd be like European Union not trading with the UK and you're like this is what you fucking voted for you idiots <laughs> Look at them, fucking EU, French, Italians. They they thinking they can just do what they want with us. Well, we'll show them by being really poor and having nothing for several years to come. <laughs> there was some point I wanted to raise about fucking Brexit, but I can't remember what it was. Just that it was bad and lame. <laughs> bad and lame, and fucking uh, Jeffrey Donaldson made some comment the other night. There was something along the lines of like. We just want the UK to sort this out. Like, why just will they not just sort this out? No, we're part of the union. And it's like, you voted for it, you fox. You voted for it. I know. We didn't want it here, but you had the majority in the fucking... Tried kicking and screaming out of the country. Fox. They're going to move to New Zealand. Really? New Zealand? It's quite a weird one to go for. Why New Zealand? It's class. It's warm. Well, is it warm? <laughs> it is at the moment, I think. Oh. Um, well, like 26 degrees or something. Is it like a, is, it, is it a hot country? Yeah. It's a hot country. <laughs> full of hot man. There's some fucking... You're some bear you're simping on, isn't he? He's from New Zealand. He's some Tanzania, actually, but yeah, it's very close. Uh, no, not just him. Although... Um, <laughs> it's also because I really like Jacinda Ardern. I think she's class. And, oh, uh, Jacinda Ardern is the president. I don't know if it's president or the prime minister. So, don't, prime minister. Don't, don't chastate me. Uh, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> she's the leader of New Zealand and she's class. She's uh -huh. very good. She sorted out the whole uh, COVID thing and all. Uh -huh. She's pretty cool. She took a pay cut at the start of lockdown. like and, and Yeah, like, gesture. I don't know, man. Just all these brilliant gestures that are just like, you see, that's how you do it. <laughs> well, they like, are gestures, but yeah, yeah at least well, the, solidarity is important too. Yeah, it's a good message. Like, it's, it's what I was going on about this fucking podcast. Fucking, about fucking solidarity. <laughs> Britain can't do even one thing right. <laughs> it's just bars. Borjos. And the fucking Tories going, oh, just everyone pulled together. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen this know. whole thing about Captain Tom? Yeah, he died. Yeah. Yeah, what's your, what's your feelings on that? But do tell us, Martin, what terrible things do you think about this so dead do, veteran? Do you something really edgy about that? Yeah, go be on. Dead cool go and on. edgy and not Yes, please do. Yes. Are you ready for it? Yep. Ready for it? Go on. I don't care that he died. Oh! oh! <laughs> 
I feel so naughty. <laughs> I wish he had died in the war. <gasps> <laughs> I feel like I went too far. <laughs> Jesus. I know. Shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Captain Tom. <laughs> we should get on our knees and pray. We should, you know, bow our heads and shake. I don't know who he is. Just that he's like a symbol of some kind. That's the sort of a symbol, symbolic thing that his family sort of exploited him. In a really blatant way, but you know, sort of couldn't Whatever. blame them in a way. Same but, um, time, you know, I'd like. I mean, if you had the opportunity for your very elderly great grandparent to like receive a lot of attention, their lives are kind of shit anyway. They may as well be loved by loads of people. Yeah. So, nah, fuck it. Go for it. I it was kind of interesting, man, because a, you know, a certain comedy forum that I <laughs> spent some time on was having a massive. Like what would you say? Like outpouring. just outpouring of absolute mockery and defiling him right. in every possible way. Just being like, "Look at this cunt! Fuck this cunt!" It was really, really nasty. And every so often, every twenty tweets or every twenty posters, something you'd see somebody going, "Wait, what is going on here? Like, why are you <laughs> being so nasty? Are you being ironic or something?" Look at this cunt. He likes him yeah, too. Yeah, just like, well, if you don't understand, then you're a cunt too. But yeah, well, but this is basically fucking- what surface was just. It just, he was kind of yeah, an emblem of just everything wrong with Britain. And it was somebody made it, somebody said that in a really nice way, actually. Mm. Kind of, they were sort of saying, you know, it's just, yeah, they used, basically, like he, he did this charity thing to raise money for the NHS and he walked mm. up and down his garden and he was 100 years old and he's in a Zimmer frame and all. Yeah. And it's like the fact that Bojo and the fucking cunts, the clown cunt, evil masters clown of the Glitterati, fucking. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway, the Tory cunts mm. are publicly going, isn't he brilliant? Isn't he just a, a shining example of the British spirit? Isn't it yeah. just wonderful? And like, no. And he he's, is white, he's, though. He's doing that because you won't fucking fund the NHS properly. You know, he's. He's, you know, so it's just the irony of them commending him for doing something when in the face of, it's like, they're crippling all these public services. Yeah, well, that's often been the case. Like, I despise, I despise a Tory hypocrisy. It's like taking, like, comp, like uh, I don't know, well, yeah, this is nothing new, but Tories doing horrible shit while talking, while praising those people who are di- having their lives directly ruined by it, you know. It's, yeah. Well, he died, you know, uh, visiting hospitals or something and, and mm. yeah so I mean the, it's just a disgusting thing to see these absolute the absolute worst of the rich elite powerful people like going oh isn't it so sad that we lost this hero and we'll remember him forever but we're not going to do anything about yeah. the conditions that existed that forced him to do this like I don't know like I see this is my problem with it it's like you know what? The English fucking voted for Tories. They wanted Tories. Yeah. Like, fuck oh, Britain, man. I, I'm, that's why I'm moving to New Zealand as well, so I can <laughs> say fuck Britain from a safe distance. <laughs> can say it without worrying about... And it, it is... Lilas coming around and shooting me! <laughs> it is... It's such... I don't know. It's a... It's a kind of... It makes, you, it makes you despair for democracy. And I often think that Plato was right about it, which is like the, the, the democracy is the first step towards despotism it, or mm. t- tyranny. It's just like everyone thinks, oh, we all should have participated in this, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you know again, I talk about like, you know, I talk about the uh, spiritual matrix, you know, <laughs> and it's like when people are kind of like, you know, <laughs> you're left to kind of resolve complicated interactions in their own lives, you know, they'll, they have this whole resource to do it when it comes to try to resolve complicated matters of state mm. like they don't have any resources they've in fact been probably deliberately denied them and, and in fact fed the opposite they've been fed a lot of fear and fear is the like in the love fear line fear is the <laughs> thing that, that we're given to like you know that that's the ultimate thing that we have that we use our intellect to fight against 
like fear is debilitating. It, that's the what I, was, I used the example of the fight and flight response. Like in that situation, you know, we're forced into a kind of survival mode, and it overrides our rational thinking. We, and so yeah, that's the whole point. In terms of democracy, you can use fear to break down people's rationale, where it won't work in their own interests. And the thing is, you you might be able to say, well, you know, the thing that's better than the only thing that's better than a bad idea is good ideas, but that's not true. The people with the large largest platform have an overwhelming strength in that arena. And so, yeah, they can overwhelm people's own rationale and their own interests with rhetoric. You know, they can break them down with fear. And that's basically what the Tories rely on. To be honest, even parties that would probably vote for use the same tactics again. You know, oh, look out for wee granny. Look out for, you know, this kind of stuff. Very rarely do they actually introduce the idea of solidarity. That seems almost antiquated now as a kind of rhetorical uh, device. Well, is it not solidarity, but um, based on fear? It's like, you know, look at the enemy over there. We all have to bunch together and uh, yeah. come together as a... Like, maybe, like, there's usually an aspect of that to it, like, you know, but, like... Yeah, but it's often, like, you know... That's what Brexit's basically about, isn't it? Like, it's like the foreigner EU. We don't want it anymore. And then, Pretty much, yeah. And then the whole UKIP. Nigel Farage is on the sidelines going, we mean racism. You know, we, yeah. mean, we mean immigrants. Yeah. The Tories are like, we're not him, but, you know... China, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> he's, some, he's not us, but you know. Some people have made yeah. out good out of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wanted to talk about something nice. I wanted to talk, say something else about that though, because um, democracy. So essentially, you're saying that democracy itself is flawed because anyone can kind of exploit it with fear and manipulation. And well, d- democracy doesn't really work when power isn't equal. Mm. Um, if you have a larger platform in order to influence people like already you know you already you have a disproportionate amount of power in that democracy mm. no okay whatever it's like you'd say well within reason you know things aren't always have to be black and white you know but like it, democracy on its own is isn't isn't good you know democracy is just an idea that's easy to exploit it's in fact probably the one of the well I was going to say one of the weakest forms of government. Yeah, because I was sort of thinking, actually, as you're saying that, it was a funny thing. I remember, it's quite a random reference, like, but like, Faith No More, the band, Mm. nobody listens, no one's going to be listening to this, but anybody who does listen to this probably won't know who they are, so to say the band, Faith No More. To be honest, if if they're listening to this, it's probably from a recommendation from you, so they probably do, or me. So yeah, Yeah. your eyes, friends, will probably listen to this and they'll know who Faith No More are, so it's all right. But I know, just in case. So I, that band from the 90s, but they, I remember them saying in many interviews that like, it was, they were very democratic because there was always Five members in the band, hmm. and there was like to a fault, and it's like it, they were sort of joking about the fact that so it was always a case of that nobody was happy, and that, that was the best outcome in every scenario. It was like somebody would write a song, hmm. and everyone would go yeah so they'd all vote on changing it, and everyone would input and change their bits and vote on each bit till nobody really got their way in the end. You know, nobody yeah. really had like no, but it's my so I want this bit. You know, it's hmm. like everybody had to sort of accept no you're only having a fifth of Im- of the input sort of thing. Right. And it's like, it made everything really democratic and equal, but it also meant that everybody was dissatisfied with the results. So they just play all these songs together as a band being really sort of unhappy with the. But in a way, kind of, you know, it's like, it's, I think there's something good about that because it kind of like, it 
dissolves the ego like it dissolves the oh it's my song and it's mm. it's important that i have my say it's like it's not about you it's about the collective it's about the you know what this mm. what the five of us can achieve yeah. it's more important than your feelings you know kind of thing so i thought that was a really nice example of of democracy, democracy working, working you know actually succeeding well but, of course just all it would take is one person to go no i refuse and walk at the door uh, yeah and then we can it all fall apart. apart yeah and it probably is like an aspect of where like you know the squeaky wheel does get the oil as well where it's just like <laughs> Oh, fucking Mike Patton, like, just say yeah. He's really well, not see, worth fighting him on something. He, you know? he, he, I don't want to bring this into a conversation about Faith and Morse history here, mm. but another, yeah, basically what proves your point there is when he joined in 1990, he, he was the, he was the guy who just joined. Mm. The songs were already written, mm. so he was just kind of adding vocals to stuff that was already there. Mm. But by the next album, like, mm. it was like, <laughs> it was the, his influence in the songwriting, his influence, and like one of the songs is pretty much his song mm. entirely. Like, he, Which so... One? Uh, Malpractice in Angel Dust it was like mm. he wrote all the parts and everything and the band played them kind of thing mm. but like he's since played that with another band live and stuff because it's sort of his work or whatever but I like the point is the difference between the, the real thing and Angel Dust shows you mm. just how one person could kind of come in and go well, I know it's a democracy, but actually I kind of want it this way and I want it that way and coming up to do more and it's just the massive, massive uh, difference between those two I mean, albums, which I personally think is a good thing because it's well, is great. Well, yeah, so there you, there you go. You, you come completely full circle. Yeah, democracy is good unless you have a tyrant I agree with. Yeah, I agree um, with the pattern as the tyrant. And I don't think it's controversial to say that democracy is one of the weakest forms of government. Um, but like, if I was to use sort of like if I was to use examples, I mean a very straightforward, maybe unfair example to say, well, during wartime, they often suspend, you know, human suffrage. You don't, you don't actually get to participate in your government. Your government is given unilateral powers in order to fight the war. Mm -hmm. And so in that alone, it tells me like the government needs to be strong and acting unilaterally to win this war. So therefore democracy is weaker than that, you know, that, that's what it oh, then, Yeah, it shows you that democracy doesn't hold up in times of war, doesn't yes. hold up in times of when you're actually being threatened by outside forces. Yeah, because if, if I, like, I mean, if, if I was to pose some sort of, like, ideal government or something like that, it probably would be something along the lines of, like, you know, uh, local representation for people's issues locally that they could then raise in a, in a larger government, but the larger government is basically a meritocracy where... Uh, ability to run a country is one of the one of the features and they have to be made up with different strata of society you know they're not just selected out of special schools for the rich you know they mm. have to be like from any yeah to be honest the, the way plato describes it is like that the children were like selected at like birth mm -hmm. and it's taken like almost like monks almost mm -hmm. you know like, like they were taken away from their the family so they had no titles or money or wealth of their own they were entirely raised for the role of leading and like I don't know, I don't agree with that. You know, it's uh, this is uh, slowly revealing that James is actually a fascist, <laughs> <laughs> right? But like, yeah, I but like I do genuinely think like democracy has, has these massive holes in it. Yeah, and like, but yeah, like, you sorry, going on to finish. No, no, I was, I was going to finish. I was going to move on. So <laughs> if you want to add something by saying, and therefore we should just kill all the Jews or something. Or? No. <laughs> okay. That's it. No. How did that? <laughs> you're saying you're fascist. Well, fascists aren't uniquely Jewish. <laughs> just the American ones. Um, yeah, because like 
I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about something nice. I was going to talk about cartoons. Well, no, I, I, I knew you had another point to raise. Because <laughs> every time you say something, I'm like, well, that kind of makes me wonder about this, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fucking system that you would like to have as sort of local representation uh, uh, can have influence in a power, mm. you know, a, a sort of central power. Yeah, they can they can like raise their own local concerns yes. to the central government. A central government. I think that makes sense. And then, but the central government itself. I see what I think then needs to change is the central government is also just like mm. a bunch of Tough. nobody has no singular person has power like mm. it's just a bunch of votes come in and a mm. fucking you know and yeah you'll have a well I suppose that's why you have House of Representatives and all that there shit like it's supposed mm. to be that it's supposed to be like people go well I'm just putting this forward but you don't have parties like mm. you have sort of communities like you have you know what I mean like the North Belfast is uh, you know we'll have a representative and this person well kind of do you have that that is yes that's the funny thing because that like that's that is interesting because that is actually how it's supposed to work but it isn't yeah it's obviously people consolidate power by forming parties Parties, as you say be allowed to form parties that's what i'm saying (laughs) but obviously like like that's you know be highly anti-democratic to allow uh collective bargaining as a as a political process that would be actually anti-democratic. Well, that's what we have. We have collective bargaining as in the form of parties. Parties go, yeah. we will represent communities. But saying like, no, there's not allowed to be parties. There's just allowed to be mm. communities. But then... But then they'll just conspire with each other. See, like, you know, like, there's no way to legislate against that. Like, you know, it's... Have I gone dyslexic? Ever ready. What do you think it's it? Every day. <laughs> Yeah, it sort of does look like everything. <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I need to flesh that one out a bit. It just came off the top of my head when you were saying about, you know, mm. local representation. But I don't know. Um, I, like, I wouldn't, I, I don't really have, like, the answer. I don't really, I don't have the answers. I just if know. me, a genius, doesn't have the answers. <laughs> if genius doesn't have the answers, then the answer is just not around. <laughs> There's no answer. Unfortunately, we have to just move on. Mm. But I will say that, yeah, they... Democracy does not work, and all we need to do changes in the things. We yeah. change the things to do the stuff. Yeah. So I, I was going to mention like it was, there was like a cartoon show which I watched. I'm sure you've probably seen a few of these yourself over the years, where it's like they talk like there was a cartoon show called Capital Critters, and it's like a show about mice that live in I guess the Capitol building, I suppose, or maybe it's the White House. I don't know. And, like, they kind of impart the virtues of American democracy. It's coming at the bicentenary, and they're like, you know, the seat of power and stuff, and it's all so a little clumsy, but what we have is the great American experiment. And, well, some things don't work. It self-corrects itself. It's like that episode of The Simpsons. Simpsons where, where the yeah. guy's talking about the Bill of Rights or something. Yes, and, yeah. and then the system works, and her faith in the American government is restored. Carla's lost her face in derogatory. Yeah. It's like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? And then I thought maybe instead of capital critters, we should have something called Columbine Critters, in which it exposes the real American mythology about lack of gun control, social alienation, school shootings, after school shootings, after school shootings, racially motivated killings, racial repression. And Probably it'll be about is. little mice living in the school of Columbine where the two Columbine killers go around shooting people and they Jesus. learn lessons. <laughs> Fucking hell. You said there was something cheery you wanted to talk about? I hope yeah, this is it. it. Yeah. Oh, Jesus <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, 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 I don't know. They could, like, not, now that all the kids are running around the cafeteria, they can have access to all the food in the kitchen they could possibly want. It's a good, it's a feel-good episode. Oh, my God. 
I, I think that would be, that would be a better introduction to what uh, what the American philosophy is. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we'd want to show that in schools much, but yeah, <laughs> especially schools where people might come in with guns. The children need to know how to hide from armed gunmen coming into their schools. That's true. Well, that was uh, what your man Sasha Baron Cohen was doing in his recent show. It was like, what is America? Or this is America? Is that what it was called? I think it was called The, this is the New Borat film? No, it was a couple of years ago maybe, but it was uh, it was like a sort of prank thing that he was doing. Was, it was fucked up, man. He, he was getting kind of Republicans to do things on camera and tricking mm. them into stuff. Well, he, 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 he pranked these, this Republican guy into... Um, convincing he convinced them to um back a campaign about teaching kids how to shoot guns and how to like save you know how kids the only the only thing that stops a bad man with a gun is a child with yeah, military that, training that was that was something like the tagline of it or something yeah Do you remember this? Oh. all right well i know i know that slogan the only thing that stops a bad man with a gun is a good or a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun which is an rna slogan RNA? No, R N R A. N R A, yes, thank you. That's Logan. what it was. Uh, it was something I got uh, as a kid with a gun or something, yeah. But I, uh, and this guy was all for it. Like, he was all, yeah, that's brilliant. And they did this whole video of like telling kids how to fire guns and all. It was just, Fuck yeah, pretty sick stuff. Like, Aye. pretty sick stuff. And it's supposed to be just sort of satirist prank comedy show. But at mm. the end of it, you're like, this guy genuinely thinks this. Like, that is mm. fucking so horrifying. <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is why, like, uh, there, there, there is actually a point I wanted to make with my sarcastic remark, which is really? That, like, yeah. Oh, wow. It wasn't just some random thing. <laughs> it was some edgy thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> he says edgy things, but you come away from a message. Um, I mean, no, but, context? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the idea that, like, you know, that America is this obviously like the, is this like democratic experiment in which you know oh we're gonna muddle our way through and it's really weird and different it's never been done before which is just not true like democracy has been done before it was done and like the french have done it and then it was done in most of europe in plato's times well yeah well, well they- i mean we what romans and greeks would describe as democracy is maybe not what we would describe as democracy in the modern age but like there would have been more bombing back then. Or? <laughs> well, you had to be you had to be a citizen as well, and like that was like a kind of social strata which most majority of people didn't have access to. But um, um, yeah, so the point is not that different from the guard. Well, I mean, at least you're allowed to vote as as long as you were a free adult who's never committed. As long as you have a house and pay taxes, and you're. You can vote if you don't have a house. You're not allowed to vote if you're an immigrant and stuff. If you're, if you're an, an illegal immigrant. Lots yes. of people are still waiting for their... Yes, there's definitely, there's definitely things. But, like, I mean, the vast, the vast, vast, vast majority of people in Roman society didn't vote. Mm-hmm. Or weren't allowed to vote, I should say. Uh, yeah, so anyway, the point... the same as, like, Catholics not being allowed to vote in the, during the 60s and stuff in Northern Ireland. Yeah. So it's not that far, but like modern democracy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, <laughs> Northern Ireland situation was very like rural. untenable, untenable, which was like there was just a outwardly sectarian policy, mm. which of course got fought against. And there's no other justification for existing other than you think Catholics are secondary citizens. Like, I mean, it seems ridiculous now, but like at the time, it's not that far fetched. I mean, you know, people still think that way, like. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. You're saying like no, the Roman democracy version would have been very different. I'm saying well, still quite a lot of examples <laughs> of it being, mm. you know, similar to our. 
as well as like drawing, drawing parallels as well to the Romans. That's another one of my pet peeves. Oh, the Roman Empire fell because of the gays. The Roman Empire fell. <laughs> it's like you can't really draw a lot of parallels to a pre-industrialized, massive, world-spanning empire as you can with, I don't know, modern-day, industrialized, high-tech, trillion-dollar rich America. It's... Parallels break down in the details, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think homosexuality is suddenly going to cause the fucking uh, national banks of America to explode, look. <laughs> That'd be class of a good look. Yeah. <laughs> Fags for financial independence. Nice. Yeah. Um, F-F-F-I. Yeah. Fi. Fi. We're fi. Stop. We're fi. <laughs> Have their own jingle or their oh, own fuck. stuff. I love this idea. Yeah, this like, is good. This is, is golden. It comes golden. right after right, right after Columbine critters, <laughs> uh, gays going into banks and exploding themselves. Suicide bomber gays. Do you know, this is the, remember we, I think we were saying about this before. I think it'd be class to like have a sketch show where we were so joking about it in the, one of the podcasts about you know you actually see like somebody murdering Trump or something or cutting his head off and it's oh, like yeah. being really edgy and fucking oh wow edgelord stuff. But like actually going well, why not? No yeah. one's ever made anything like that. You know, it'd be good if we could actually have something that's it is interesting stands for something like and actually has the balls to fucking enact it rather than being like, well, we we really believe these things very much, but we're just going to sit and talk about them for the next. 20 fucking years you fucking <laughs> left and let us start again you fucking useless cunts <laughs> there's definitely like an element of like Hollywood uh, or western media having a kind of you know the element of catharsis that like you know you do want to change the world but it all works out anyway you know mm. kind of thing and it's like you know I can, <laughs> yeah, I can understand that, that that element of catharsis you know that you can go through that process survive and actually be happy for it but obviously then there's the anti-revolutionary element of it why be such a rebel rouser when you don't really achieve anything anyway? <laughs> mm. So, um, yeah, so, like, the idea of, like, kind of going against that and just having, the, like, inglorious bastards, except for it's they're just shooting holes for Trump's face. Yeah. Like, the idea of that being a modern media. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was doing the January thing, because for the first time in a long, long time, I was listening to new music every day, like, you know, mm. scrolling and hearing all these, you know, Everything from really amateur people just needle about right up to like, like super pe- qualified studios. Yeah, mm. you know people who were putting out records and shit and like, <clears throat> and just it was really good, man. It was really good for me because I was hearing lots of stuff and going, okay, so feeling like I have a context of where I sit, you know, in this yeah. sort of range of like really brilliant and sort of okay and really amateur and stuff. And it was like mm. I'm quite close to this stuff here, you know. It's like I feel like yeah, I feel like stand up, you know. I feel confident like about. Where you sit in it? Yeah, like you know, and you, you don't have to judge music in that metric and stuff and all the rest. Like you can be, you know, it's, a if subjective, it's personal to you, yeah, and everything. subjective and everything and all that there. But also, you can kind of when you hear something work really well, you sort of go, oh yeah, that's that. That really snaps. <laughs> or slaps. Sorry, I should have said slaps, not snaps. <laughs> it really snaps. <laughs> really snaps. Uh, actually, it slaps. Yeah, that's how cool I am. Um, <laughs> I'm with it. I'm hip. <laughs> <laughs> what up, dudes? But I, uh, my point was, it was really good for, to hear lots of music and get a context for what's kind of interesting at the moment and what people are doing and what's good. Yeah. Because cool. I, I sort of started listening to a wee bit of Autechre one night afterwards and I was like, <sighs> like Autechre sound really dated to me now. Really? Yeah, it was weird. It was, <laughs> it was like, it was kind of, 
Yeah, it's a bit weird because mm. I've for a long, long time I've been like they are the daddies of electronica. You yeah. know, they just are like they have the you know, the, the Godfathers. Like. I don't know, man. This is what I've always been saying. Like that, I probably should move close to the mic in case you want to keep any of this. But like, um, like this, it's sort of like I sort of think kind of like technical aspects of elect- of, of music, especially electronic music. There's such like of the moment you're like whoa that's a real new sound oh that's a new buzz but it's like four years later five years later 20 years later the only thing you're really left with is does it got a nice melody it's got a nice rhythm mm. it's got like an interesting hook it's like what's the emotion um, of this music yeah i disagree to a certain extent but i know what you're saying but like i don't know because that's it depends what you're listening to the music for you know not everybody mm. wants melodies and the hooks <laughs> hooks and sort of i know what you're saying like things do date like Mm. Uh, very quickly especially in electronic music because there's so much sort of movement with that genre or whatever mm. but like actually All Tucker's older stuff to me is much much better like you know mm. it, it's actually like their, their late 90s stuff is the real peak because it's, it's sort of everything coming together you know mm. uh, it's new and exciting yeah like it was really cutting edge at the time like and mm. it still sounds great to me because there's a real excitement about it or something there's real like there's something in it that it feels excited like they're they're excited about what they're doing mm. whereas now it just feels like yep another spattered another album of noises like and Aye. they're not really inspired they're not they doesn't what they're doing doesn't feel very inspired but they're an institution now and they're pr- producing institution music yeah mm. and it's not shit or anything by any stretch but it's just comparing it to like a month of listening to like just ev- lots and lots of different stuff and yeah. all sorts of different flavors and approaches to electronic music a month of that and you're just kind of going back to something like and going ah all right like it's mm. okay you know it's, it's not groundbreaking it isn't mm. fucking blowing my mind it's sort of like it's okay like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <This is> nothing <laughs> about there's my loads life. of other stuff that's far more inspiring <laughs> for me like out there which is nice yeah. but it's good like i was really it was really heartening like to hear so much good stuff that's like I mean that is interesting and I, like I do think that's that's like that's important like although I mean I sort of wonder why like you weren't hearing any of it before is kind of busy like, <laughs> generally that's the thing it's so funny you know I just kind of because when I'm still sad very like you know you're busy enough <laughs> yeah you're hours of making stuff and then when you're finished you can't be fucked putting on albums so it's just kind of always listening to stuff you love and like you know I was yeah. comfort listening you 2020 know? was definitely the year of comfort look like. yeah you know it, was, it wasn't not time to be challenged and finding new things like mm. or or would be like it would be things other people recommended was that which is generally a thing what i do when mm. i'm being really lazy it's just like other people go oh have you checked out that like prog band and i'll be like yeah, stick that on and come oh, yeah, it's all right and then basically just the rest of the time just listen to podcasts couldn't even be fucked listening to music a lot of the time mm. so there's that like and that's bad like because you know you should be more engaged and i get it if it's your thing you yeah. know if, if you're just like you know me and you're like oh, I got like these 10 albums and I really love them so, yeah. Yeah, it's fine I don't, nobody cares what I listen to but like yeah I mean if it's your passion if you're it's your music, art yeah, if, you're, if you're actually in the business of it or you want to be in the business of it you should probably give a fuck a bit more about yeah. what's going on although world. I must admit like my like my, my, my thing is definitely like like artists I like as have a lot of artists in my timeline and yeah. I must admit whenever I'm producing art I don't mind so much I like looking at their stuff and going oh that's cool like, oh, this got like a weave thing here which is cool but see when I'm not producing art and I look at their stuff I'm just like I despair I'm just like they're all better than me and I'm a waste mm-hmm. of time <laughs> so, like, so there's definitely like a bit of a double edged sword do you find out with music at all? yeah it's completely <laughs> like but I mean that was the thing that was sort of comforting in a way with January was because you were making stuff? 
I, I was quite happy with my stuff, but it's, it's, I was seeing people who were making me feel humble, you know, seeing mm-hmm. people make, and going, oh shit, mm-hmm. that's fucking amazing. Like, oh no, I feel so lazy and my stuff's crap. But then you scroll two minutes later and you'd mm-hmm. see 20 other things, you'd be like, ah, this makes me feel better about myself, <laughs> you know what I mean? Going, ah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like you see something go, oh, right, that's really lazy and kind of shit. So, ah, yeah. I guess I'm not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's sort of nice the way, but like, I think Donnie Darko's right though. It's like in a sliding scale where like one side is like really shit music. It's like fear and then good music is love. <laughs> yeah. So where you belong in the love and fear scale? I don't know. It was good because I, I think like also you get, you see a lot of stuff about like, you know, you get a lot of lessons about the whole thing of it's not necessarily about technique. It's not necessarily about skill. It's sometimes it's, it's the simplest things that can be the mm. most interesting and all that kind of stuff. And that's been really useful too, you know, to sort of, here, like now and again, I see these videos where someone would just have like a, a one box and a reverb thing, and they'd be doing with some ambient noise, and you'd be like, "It's just really nice, man." It's just you know, sometimes it was really satisfying to find out those wee things. Mm. You know, I don't know. There's such a nice, so many different lessons, so many different perspectives. Like you were kind of, mm. you know, but I like, you know, I like the whole getting annoyed when you um, see better artists. Yeah, mm. it does. It it doesn't get to me when I because I, I I guess there's two things going on there because one thing going on is that I'm not really busting my balls over that stuff it's just like January is just a bit of fun you know I'm, uh, I'm not stressing too much about how good it is mm. I'm enjoying myself and making something that's just sort of quirky and it doesn't really have to mean much or whatever so in that sense I'm letting myself off the hook from taking any responsibility but that also means then you don't feel shit if you see all these brilliant things and you're like, well, I wasn't really that invested in the thing that I do and it still holds up, so I'm, I'm happy enough. Mm. So I think if that matters, like, you know, it matters how uh, much of yourself or how much of your worth or whatever you're investing in what you're doing, like, and it's actually mm. good to not invest that much of your worth into it. Mm. You know, which sounds kind of mad thing to say. It's like, you're an artist, you should put your whole heart and soul into everything. And it's like, why though? Why should no, you? Though? Why can't no. you just like do something because it's a bit of crack and very often why does it have to be this oh it's my blood and guts it's my soul it's like why why isn't your blood and guts and so i don't want your blood and guts and so i just want you to write some good music like yeah i I, I often find the best stuff is like the stuff that's kind of like like well not always but like sometimes like shooting from the hip people are kind of a bit less guarded i find like guarded artwork is the worst yeah people are like self-consciously trying to make elevated stuff yeah and yeah exactly man and so maybe that's some of the autechery thing it's all Mm. very like this is very this clever. Is it, yeah. But sort of soulless. Like, well, not necessarily all of it, but you know, there was, I listened to um, Stuart Lee did that, did an interview with Adam Boxing recently, and he was talking about this what? documentary about the Nightingales, this sort of uh, mm. Birmingham punk band from the 80s. Mm. Uh, and I listened to the Spotify playlist at Karen. I was like, oh, give us a wee listen. Like, and it was brilliant. Like, and it was the first time in ages that listened to punk and actually liked it. And actually, what I really liked was the guy, Robert Lloyd, I think his name is, had a real flair with the lyrics, like the lyrics were the thing. And I don't normally listen to lyrics. Like I'm kind of like, meh, don't care. Noises. I don't prefer the sounds. Yeah, this is another know. instrument in there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But this was nice. You know, there was a few really clever, and I could see why Stuart Lee was a fan actually in a way, because it was sort of, um, 
there was a wee bit of a kind of there was one song in particular where he was talking and the, the, the guy was talking over the music going yeah so I got the band together and I said we were going to write this song and we're just going to like I don't know we were wondering like this type of music what does it have and I and it said you know so he's describing what's happening in the song over the song hmm. and now I'm describing the song that has a guy talking uh, about the song oh, <laughs> oh, no. but I <laughs> edit in the song here well an old trick we usually use on each album is for the band to go quieter and quieter to thirds of the way through the number while I mumble something over the top. Then I give them some kind of verbal or hand signal and they go loud again. It's always a crowd pleaser, so we might as well do it now. But I thought it was really interesting because he was kind of, he would play with the form a wee bit, mm. like Stuart Lee does. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, he's messing around with the expectations of it and yeah. the... Maybe. Deconstructing the um, form within within the form itself. I don't know how much I like that, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, it gets a bit. It's it's a bit lazy sometimes. It's a bit of an easy thing to fall back on. Yeah, it's like John. I don't know. My friend John's like full of wisdoms, but like one of the things he says, like one thing about like what what he thinks about when media kind of pulls back the the facade and say, oh, you know, we're aware that this is a piece of a piece of media. Mm. It doesn't make it larger. It makes it significantly smaller because mm. like sort of like all the kind of potential of all this, of the, the, of the diegesis around the piece of media suddenly collapses. Mm. It's like it reveals that it doesn't exist. All the only thing that exists is the artifice that you're watching. Mm. And it's like, yeah, and he's right. I think it's kind of, yeah, it can destroy any sort of belief you have in it or any sort of imagination you have around it. Yeah. Sort of like belittled. I, like the, stu- the stuff at the edges that aren't in it, but you suspect that they're there, you know? It's like, it's like I don't know. Whenever, it's like it's sort of whenever I listen to Brian Eno's Before and After Science, isn't it? Yeah. The album. It's like I couldn't really understand the lyrics because the way it's all got an effect on them and stuff. Yeah. It's like I was always remember thinking, like, you know, oh, what is he actually singing about here? It's like, you know, me, uh, you and me and Porter's daughters, like, and, like, <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, I don't know what this is about. It's like talking about like Ecuador and all this stuff. Oh, like, yeah, is this yeah. a song about the world? And then I sat and read the lyrics, and I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all sort of like rhymes and stuff. And this is our like yeah. nursery rhymes kind of chopped up and stuff. Like yeah. That, you know? And it's like really, it really collapsed a lot of its meaning. And I think it's mm-hmm. deliberate that you don't really get the lyrics. Like they're kind of, they're, they're deliberately hidden in the music. But like once, but the, once some dick put them up online yeah. somewhere, it just dissolved all the other uh, tensions. It's funny that that happens quite a lot. And like, actually it's interesting because I saw an argument about this recently. People were talking about bad lyrics and songs and, and, uh, we talked about the last podcast. Were we talking about that? Oh, well, two podcasts ago now, I guess. About you know, bad about, lyrics? But bad lyrics but, uh, that can actually be kind of clever. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the whole start of the thing. about yeah. the, uh, If you don't hold me, I, I can hold, hold you back. back. Yeah. Callback? Jesus yeah. Christ. That's, Look at this. Yeah. Professionals. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was more like things like... Um, uh, you remember the song Never Met a Girl Like You before it's like, Never Met a Girl yeah. Like You It has that before. sort of build up in the middle and it's like uh, oh no I can't remember the words now it's like hope that I'm talking about the way I feel hope that I'm talking metaphorically and all this sort of thing and uh. it's just a really cheesy verse like and uh. people are going like this is terrible but then other people were defending it going well he's, he's taking the piss sort of because he's sort of a aware of that the song, song is a wee bit pastiche and sort of piss takey mm. like the whole song is a bit silly it's not like a really like an excess song. song or something but it's not um, Edwin Collins like oh no it isn't but it's kind of uh, like it's sort of invoking the, he's uh, got the yeah, vocal yeah. styling of an excess isn't he I thought it was more kind of like Elvis or something he was trying to sort of do a piss take sort of well, maybe, maybe. I don't know. love ballad thing but like it's mm. all I don't know because the sort of 
cheesy guitar sound all sort of it's all fuzzy and psychedelic oh, yeah. like Austin Powers meets oh, yeah, Austin yeah. Powers on acid <laughs> and yet somehow I know exactly what you mean yeah it's, it's sort of trashy trashy psychedelia from yeah, the yeah. 60s or something anyway kind yeah. of lazy lyrics and then people were kind of defending it yeah some people were sort of saying but that's sort of the point it's, a bit, it's meant to be a bit silly and throw away but yeah my point was I was thinking while I was reading all these criticisms of lyrics I was thinking about some of my own songs and some of my own lyric choices and I'm like yeah you're picturing uh, people having the same arguments about some of your yeah like they would not stand up to the same scrutiny at all <laughs> like yeah. you know people would be like you don't, what you don't, the fuck you don't have to agree with me at all but like I must admit like I find that moment where the song kind of like whatever like either built up something really kind of epochal or something and then they trash it by going oh this is just a shitty uh song i'm like fuck you yeah destroying what, it, what i had built in my head from your material yeah and I, like, there's a couple of examples really blatant examples of pop music where it does that where uh one is uh, robbie williams going um and that's a good line to take it to the bridge which is like, ah, oh, it's, yeah. it's so cringy. It's like, you know, he had all these cheesy sort of pop references that you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then that's a good line to take it to the bridge. And it's just like, fuck That off, was man. so like late 90s, isn't it? Like uh, Tony <laughs> Curtis yeah, and all that. The, like the song he did with uh, Kylie Minogue oh, God, had the, that. we'll paint by numbers until something sticks. We don't mind doing it for the kids. Mm. It's just blatantly gone. Yeah, We're just doing this fucking collaboration because we've been asked to. Like, wink, it's, wink. It's yeah. Lazy bullshit. And I like it is. I also think that's also another thing that dates really badly too is like, is that moment where you're like, you're in the moment. It's, 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 a, it's a kind of laugh for the audience of the, of the then. Mm. They go, ah, you know, we get this, we get the context, yeah. we get why he's saying that. But then when you look at it years later, you're just like, well, if you don't give a fuck, then why don't you fuck off? <laughs> Not even trying. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I am definitely more in favor for like trying to create something that's commit like, to it. Like yeah, and pretty it much, and stop just undermining it because because people will like people will. That's the, the arrogance of the artist of trying to trying to define what their own thing is. Mm-hmm. But like it doesn't. Li- it's not yours. Like once you put it out there and people hear it, it's like it's theirs, you know. Yeah. And then when you go, oh, and here's a clever word for a bridge, you're like that's you stealing it back off them again. I don't think I've done it ever. Like I think. Uh, there's, I know in Sad Fight 2020, I did a song where I made a bunch of like really deliberately cheesy lyrics because mm. I, because I realized like I can't write cheesy love song lyrics and I don't want to learn to, but, but actually it was like what we were saying last time it was like, um, sometimes you get these wee quirky mm. turns of phrases in a love song. that's like, oh, it's actually quite clever. That captures that wee feeling in a clever way, you know? And I thought, no, I wish I could do that. I wish I could like get these little lines. And mm. I started, you know, trying to think of funny ones like, and then just, mm. well, no, I'm just going to completely take the piss. And I wrote a bunch of like real awful ones, deliberate awful ones. It was just, it was just a comedy song. Like yeah. it was just like, you are the, you know, you the are water to my fishbowl that sits under the stairs and, you know, just silly yeah. things like that. It was just like, didn't make any sense. Like, you're the honey to my bee and I'm allergic to fucking... <laughs> and I've got anaphylactic shock for you. Yeah. You're the EpiPen to my fucking... A- anaphylactic shock. Not allergy. I... <laughs> It's all that kind of, it's kind of stuff. like a not allergy. Well, it's like a little cumbersome, but like as an idea, it's kind of kind of like at least. I thought it was fun. I was just, mm. I was just, I made the, I, made, I deliberately made the worst sounding sort of backing track and mm. played it all out of time and stuff as well, which was good crack. It's actually mm. fun playing stuff badly, you know. It's like oh, how do I make this sound shit? Yeah. It's like oh, this is such a release. It's like <laughs> yes, all the things I hate when I hear it in someone else's music when they do it wrong, I can now <laughs> totally lean into it and like. Uh, 
You ever thought about trying to re- like recreate like a um a fuck a stock waterman? What? No, I, oh, no, actually, because they got like such a weird specific sound to them as well yeah. that they keep using for all their songs. Yeah. But like, uh, it's the combination. Like, the, yeah, there's four or five things going on at any one time that they always have. Like the drums mm. and the keys and all always sound exactly the same. Sort of like Madonna and stuff did that as well, but like, but uh, it was like the American version. It was slightly slicker, of course. Of course, <laughs> like City Girl. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. That that that, that like, I don't know what if I had a, any kind of uh, any kind of summary of that, but yeah. Like, no, there was something else I was trying to get to earlier. What I was saying about the lyrics. Um, no, what I was trying to say to wrap up that quite long, but pleasurable uh, musical tangent we went on there. Well, I want to say the thing about putting your whole self and everything about yourself and your blood and guts and soul into your music, I think that's overrated. And I think people uh, say that stuff in interviews and all, and that's fair enough that people have to fucking say that in order to get people to buy into it and all. Mm. But also, it's actually sometimes good when you don't. And when you actually, it's good if you're in a band and everybody kind of contributes a thing. Sort of said, I was saying earlier on about the Faith More thing, where it was like a ruthlessly democratic process where people would have their input. But they wouldn't have ultimate control over it all. I think that happens in music in a good way too, where it's like you know one person will do one thing really well, and for that one person, it's easy. Like they they don't feel like they're really busting them their balls. They're just kind of in a way not phoning it in, but they're doing something that's very natural to them and it comes with ease, and to them it feels good. But if you've got all the people doing that at the same time and it's at a certain kind of level where you know it just it, it'll, it can be really obviously just bigger than the sum of its parts kind of thing I guess it's that the sum of its part is the, the sum of its parts being bigger than no wait <laughs> the thing being bigger than the sum of its parts yes. is the sort of argument I'm making you don't have to necessarily bust your balls to make something good you just have to try to um, serve the thing that's bigger than you like just to accept that like the song isn't about my me showing off and me being brilliant it's actually about me making something that's maybe better than what i want it to be yeah i, I think so I, I think you're like i think with art especially there's a kind of certain amount where you have to kind of what's the word um release control of it yeah. you know yeah like you have to like people like people will interpret whatever you put out anyway mm. so there's no point trying to lock down interpretation there's no point trying to make it all about you because if it's all about you it's too specific anyway mm. so it's like you know you're giving it over to somebody else so it should have some of them in it too you yep. uh, yeah <laughs> i but i guess you know is it is it is it, it's a strange thing to say that no you shouldn't put your a whole heart and soul and everything into I don't, everything you do. I don't. Well, I get, yeah, no, I don't agree. I like, I mean, give it like, give it your best effort for mm. sure. But like putting your soul into it, like, I, I, well, I mean, that's, a, I don't know what that phrase means exactly, but I think what it means is like, there has to be an element of like suffering and like real kind of like challenging yourself and, you know, discovering yourself for the process. It's like, fuck that. It's like, you know, people for start don't, shouldn't get access to that. That's yours. And as well, like, you know, what What if you accidentally discover the truth about yourself that you're actually quite shallow? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything going on in fucking Mick Jagger's head, like. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sure he put his soul into his work, too. <laughs> 
such a good example because it's just like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> tropes from songs I've ripped off from black people. They're all doing it. <laughs> yes, I think I said this before, but like, yeah, like Britain was the kidney in which we'd wash out the blackness of music and then sell Jesus. it right back to America. That's pretty harsh. I don't think that's unfair. Harsh but true. <laughs> harsh but fair. Yeah. I don't agree, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to agree with such a... I mean, maybe how I put it, it was kind of unpleasant, <laughs> but I mean, like... I see what you're saying. You effectively whitewashing yeah. uh, uh, black music through Britain as yeah, a proxy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was um, recommended to me, a French film set in the early 90s about ACT UP, who were a group, political group who went out and did these sort of publicity stunts and threw like fake blood over politicians and stuff in order to get, you know, more attention drawn to AIDS because... You know, lots of people were dying and the government weren't really moving fast enough on trials and vaccines and things like that. Mm. So it was kind of like, it was just kind of about that, you know, it was a film about that movement and the, the group of about 30 people who were kind of involved in it. Mm. And uh, their life and their stories and a lot of them in the group had HIV and stuff. So, you know, a couple of them died before the film ended. You know, it's Jeez. just, it was really good, really powerful film. I thought it was brilliant. Like, but... <laughs> it wasn't a single and I don't know why I noticed this I don't really watch every film trying to find this like the Bechdel test or something. <laughs> it was just, just backdoor test hey, yeah. hey. Uh, go test. On. there wasn't a single overweight person in the whole film I thought that well, was really France, mar- remarkable I, I, I don't know just mm. really stood out to me it was just mm. like huh and there wasn't a, a single trans or non-binary person either it was all just skinny gay guys and a couple of lesbians that was the image of the, at the time, though, of what AIDS was, I suppose. Yeah, but I'm sure there was more. That of course, but like I'm talking about the media image. But the film was made in 2017. Oh, so well, there you go. Mm, although it might have been based on real people and stuff, so I don't know. Mm. Bears, uh, bears were invented by Facebook. <laughs> no. <laughs> Co-opted by social media, it was a genuine mm. culture until it became a meme. No, it wasn't. Fucking calling that group of disgusting people a uh, culture. How dare you? <laughs> These are my people. These are my people. Yeah. Gur and woof and such. Gur and woof. Yeah, woof indeed. Um, <laughs> as in woof, as in bad, as in, you know, you go. <laughs> you ever heard like the expression, oh, I just saw this film, woof? No. Oh. I've only heard it in the context of you're really hot, woof. That shows you the circle you. <laughs> you traveling? Uh, no, I that mean, was one of the things I listened to. I, um, obviously, I don't have anything against the bear culture. I just have uh, lots of things against individual bears. <laughs> Why? It's <laughs> just a fucking just nice way of saying this. <laughs> fucking assholes. <laughs> what about me? You're a bear. You're a bear chaser. How dare you? are an otter or whatever it is. Uh, I'm kind of okay. Fine. I'm not going to try and justify my. You poser. <laughs> <laughs> I used to wear... Don't tell me. What? No. <laughs> I was going to say fucking flannel. Flannel. Not flannel. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, plaid. 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 That's plaid. like lesbians. Plaid. Plaid. Yeah, people say lesbians always wear plaid. But sort of bears. bears. Lumberjack uh-huh. sort of thing. Yeah. I had a oh, beard. God. I had plaid. <laughs> I uh, had jeans. But there was like a whole like, oh God, I don't know. Is, is this the thing in like, in bear culture? But it's like, 
not the people who like kind of like bearish types. The ones I always see is like people who are like into orcs and stuff like that, and they're like, oh, but now here, orcs? yeah, like as a fantasy creature, you know, you know, fan from like Lord stuff. of the Rings, no? not really Lord of the Rings, more from I don't know Warcraft and stuff like that. Mm. Like the ones that are more human, I guess, you know. Uh. But um, yeah, they kind of like fantasize them as being like like doctors and like academics and stuff, and I'm just like how pathetic. People's sexual fantasies have gotten whenever their big sexy fantasy is a stable home life with a high earner. <laughs> what is it supposed to be the sort of juxtaposition of like a sort of beastly guy, but he's actually really civilized and I guess uh, that's cool. I guess that's the idea, but I'll, I can't help but read the kind of like social socioeconomic element yeah. of it, yeah. It's like I there's don't a lot know. of that in the bear world, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like the ideal man is this, and you know, it's all these really awful tropes, mm. like that I don't really like very much. I seen a funny thing. There's a there was an app called like W Bear, which is like Bear Instagram, right? It's just basically Instagram. It was like, why don't we just have our own or our own version of Instagram where we just do that? Basically, every single thing, all the mm. same like liking photos and blah blah blah. It's all exactly the same. Mm. But there was you know some really. There was like really, you know, big popular like people on there who would have like, you know, 10,000 likes on their photos and stuff. And their photos were really high res, like slick as fuck photo shoots. Like they spent a lot of money on this stuff. Like, yeah. And there was one with these guys, uh, sort of, there were a couple and it was like, what a man is. And it was like a list. And man, it was just the bulkiest, <laughs> awfulest thing I've ever read in my life. Like, I just could not believe it. Mask for mask. Pure that, like, it was just mm. like, a man will not complain. A man will do this, but be strong. A man will express his feelings, but not cry too much. Not break up, honey. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, it was disgusting. It was just so depressingly bad. Like, I was just like, oh. And it had, like, thousands and thousands of likes, too. It was just like... Maybe, that, like, I often find that with, like, side platforms. It's usually for the people who... The outcasts of no, the mainstream yeah. ones, yeah. We're going to go and... Stream. Yeah, we're going to go and start our own platform where our shitty toxic views can uh, grow. You know. Yeah. It's like, good luck with that. And then you got 8-kun, so... What the fuck is that? No, something like 8-chan? <laughs> oh, 8-chan, 8-kun, yeah. It rebranded as 8-kun. Is it kun? Mm. Is it C-O-O-N? No, it's in K-U-N. It's uh. a Japanese word, which I think means, like... It's the kind of suffix you give to, like, a girl's name. Oh. It might be a reference to because 8chan comes from 2chan or 4chan and 4chan comes from 2chan which is a Japanese website. So like Chan is like a cute name. Mm. You, you go uh, like Shin Chan it's like a name you give to like a cute boy or cute girl and then so I guess Kun is more specifically a cute name you give to a cute girl mm. I guess. I don't know. Okay. But yeah. I was I pretty much nailed it straight away. I was like 8 Kun? 8 Kun. Is like a spin off of 8chan? No it's rebranded 8chan. It is it, Chan? I think so. Uh. Fact checkers, please come in and help us. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd say we did a pretty good podcast, Mark. Yeah. I always feel there's... there's More ground to cover. Yeah, but no, I think it's cool. Did you have any... I was going to bring no. up the TV show Queen's Gambit, but like, who fucking cares? Other <laughs> <laughs> uh, such... Uh, Hi, any highlights recently any films you watched recently or TV shows or anything I did watch I finally watched um, uh, um, Lawrence of Arabia oh uh, which for me was the Rosetta Stone for like like quality films it's like it's amazing it's excellent 
Is it really good? It is. It's that as is good as everyone says it is. Yeah, it didn't let you down in any way. No. Is that... It's a little long, but... I, yeah, I haven't seen it. And is it the mm. film that had thousands and thousands of extras, or was that Gandhi, am I thinking of? Well, it definitely has thousands and thousands of extras, uh-huh. but there's a good few that probably qualify for that. There's Cleopatra, which oh, is right. also like, thousands and thousands of extras. They all kind of around the same time as well. It must have been like... Co- co- the end of the Golden Age. Yeah. Loads of... I wonder if anything got paid. But uh, no, what do you call your man who plays Lawrence Arabia? Uh, Peter O'Toole. Is it? You want to say uh, Lawrence Olivier? Mm, yeah, I was thinking of someone else, so I could not say who it was. <laughs> it's Jim Barson. Jim Bowie? No. Who? No, it was the guy who played Gandhi. That's why I'm getting mixed up with Gandhi. Oh, Ben Kingsley? Yeah, it was Ben Kingsley I was thinking of. Yeah, I know, I know. Look, 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 look at me knowing things it's really bad every time I'm like impressed by like knowing things I'm always like I'm fucking brilliant so I am <laughs> <coughs> uh, no no he no it's um, Peter O'Toole and uh, Alec Guinness in Brownface Ooh. it's the 60s <laughs> um, but this, well, is, this is the weird complicated thing obviously that's not acceptable mm-hmm. let's start by saying that yes but <laughs> oh god, oh god. Um, the film is ostensibly about British colonialism being really awful like World War One, about like you know them basically promising the people of the Arab nation their own nation and then the British basically reneging on it and dividing it up with France which led to a whole fucking situation that we still live in the shadow of today so the film has quite a quite a grim take on mm. the British Empire but at the same time there's a bit of blackface in it a bit of blackface in it yeah <laughs> if you ever wanted to see Obi-Wan Kenobi in blackface <laughs> uh, I mean that's a very specific category on X-Tube but uh, <laughs> um, I no I, I could I could put up with it I suppose I mean I could I just feel sorry for all the black people who would be like great really horrible representation to be fair it's uh, specifically Arabs mm, that makes it <laughs> so much worse but no um, it, uh, I do want to say it I'm going to actually watch it no because I was watching um, interviews with Robbie Robbie Williams <laughs> Robin Williams Robin Williams and I noticed he, he was doing all this amazing improvisation on TV and stuff it was really really impressive I knew he was good at all that stuff but just some of these some of the interviews I saw of him he's like yes he's a kind of funny guy but the, there's a couple where you're just like holy fuck he's on fire here mm. and it's apparently post his whole um uh, rehab and stuff as well so it's not cocaine but mm-hmm. uh, there he was doing uh, jokey things with accents uh oh and it was like oh and this was like in 2010 as well I thought fuck I'm quite mm. surprised he was doing that then because he was yeah. doing like Indian accent and stuff and Chinese and be fair that's only really been a talking point since uh, we gotta we gotta talk about Apu no <laughs> There's a few it was people way before that. Like there's definitely a few people like who like. I don't know. It no, it, it didn't hit a mainstream. <laughs> the next hours is that. <laughs> Welcome to a podcast where we get uncomfortable about people saying things. I hear that fucking. Okay, thanks for listening. Glad you all joined us. Uh, that raspy thing or raspy thing? I was doing like there's like two tones at the same time. Oh yeah, I should really do that when I was a teenager. You do like the inside voice thing, can't you? Like the man trapped in your throat thing? No, no. Can you do it? No. Hey, 
Brian, Brian, Brian. <laughs> I guess this is kind of a ventriloquist trick of some kind. Yeah, it's a wee bit. Hmm. It's like some sort of nasal thing or something. But no, I don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Actually, it's yeah. pretty good. It's close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it again though. Um, yeah, well, yeah, like definitely, like there was always mumbles, but I don't think it really kind of hit a a general idea until later. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. There's always people like, you know, huffing and ha, but I think they're usually dismissed as being just like too sensitive. Yeah, and now there's now everybody is those people. <laughs> uh, is that good? Is that bad? Uh, send us your emails here. Send, tweet uh, us that. Is that good? Is it bad? I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was uh, interesting nonetheless to see a master at work and do all his fantastic uh, improvisational things and so forth. Any other shows or TV things that you watched recently? I did say I saw the Queen's Gambit. No, but you didn't want to. Look, there's only one thing I want to say about it, right? Have you seen it? No, a mutual friend um, uh, was raving about it recently to me. You see, because he loves chess. It's really good with atmosphere. It's great atmosphere, and it's got some interesting talking points. And like the world building is excellent. You know how it ends? Don't spoil it. I might watch it. You want you want to know how it ends broadly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. The chess was in her all along. It was all about the friends we made along the way. It's really, the ending is fucking, like, is this really it? This is what I sat through, like, eight episodes for, so we could have the really stock joke ending that everybody always makes fun of? That it was all inside of her anyway? Isn't like, oh, you know the thing, you know that, you know what, like, the the music was in you all along? Where the characters go on a journey, but it turns yeah. out like they you know, cheat, and then the cheating catches up with them. They go well, not even that. Like they go, they like cheating. they just go on a search. Oh, I'm Martin, and I have to go and dis- discover my muse. And at the end, they go, Oh no, I didn't need a muse. The music was in me all along. You got the music in yeah. you. So you up. You got. Actually, I meant to I meant to mention them earlier because they have a bit of, in the uh, album version of that song where it opens up and goes, uh, uh, "Cash, please. Credit card, please." soul please and it's so terrible that like after that that song was trash in my head mm, there's the thing I was nearly going to buy that album New Radicals Oh. and in the corner of the CD you know way like in, you probably it probably doesn't happen much oh, anymore oh like the little like there's like a little kind of slidey part uh, yeah. down the side there's a wee lip and, but sometimes you get like have stuff on the inside of that Yeah. and there was a bit of text saying so they got to you as well or something like that or so they got to you too as if to say... The right yeah, now that you bought this, you've yeah. caved into the corporate like, machine. But what, what do you want me to do? You want me to buy your fucking record then, you yeah. fucking assholes? Oh, man. Like, yeah, I'm see... edgy about me liking your music? Fuck off. That's where I worry that we are with this <laughs> podcast sometimes. It's just like a lot of like, yeah, like, well, whatever, systems and bad, and like fucking just sounding like idiots in the process, like... <laughs> We're commenting on this whole thing that we have no interest in. Pretty, pretty much. Well, I, that was the point I like. wanted to raise when I was editing one of the ones. I think it was like third, the third or fourth one. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I must remember to bring that up next time. Maybe I did bring it up actually and then I didn't. I edited it out of that podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was one episode where we were both kind of talking about like representation in Walt Disney and Disney. I don't really remember us talking about Disney. We were talking about like... Uh, black people being represented in, in Hollywood and it was like this representation thing's a bit of a novelty like mm. and I was going yeah but you know I suppose it might be nice for black people to see themselves on the big screen and stuff and then I, at the end I was thinking yeah but also we're white guys going oh like look at this patronizing thing they're doing it's like I know but it's not for us like you know it's like <laughs> you know it's not our experience it's 
being, you know, I don't know. Being it's, co-opted and stolen and sold back. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, mm. it's, it's kind of unfair for us to just sort of be dismissive about something that, like, could be very meaningful for other like we didn't re- we didn't in this conversation sort of acknowledge the fact that like well, of course we're going to have different feelings about this because we're not part of the group that's being pandered to <laughs> really, yeah. you know, so, but I, I, it's not necessarily the pandering and the selling to it's more just like it's not good for I don't know what you know it, it's like people of a group weighing in on what other people want and that's the problem is you get a lot of that online you know lots of people being offended and other people's TS makers and stuff yeah, yeah. And so I, th- I felt like it was almost like we were doing that a wee bit. We were kind of going, these guys want this. This is what they want. <laughs> and, like, and that's the way it should be. And it's like, oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> it is, it, I, like, obviously, I, I do want to... I, like, yes, I acknowledge that's definitely part of it, too. But I will say that when we, we are talking about Disney, a company that has yeah. absolutely increased the corporate control over copyright to like extreme degrees, mm-hmm. if they're selling you something, it's so you can't make it yourself. Interesting, interesting point. But yeah, I can't, I can't speak for the individual experiences of black people who think that it's fucking good somehow. <laughs> I see. There's a, a friend uh, I follow. There's a, a friend who happens to be black. Oh wow! A Isn't black it? friend? I have a black friend. Wow. But I, uh, he really loves soul. He posted saying this was the film soul. Yeah. Was that what we were talking about? We whenever. Talk- okay. Yeah. Oh, was it actually? Maybe yes. But yeah, that was maybe part of the conversation. But anyway, mm. I was thought that was interesting because I remember we were kind of saying, mm. like, to be fair, I don't, I never really fun. But I mean, <clears throat> sorry, that me saying <laughs> I know a black person and he liked that Walt Disney film Soul, therefore that justifies <laughs> its existence. I didn't want it to sound like that, by the way. Mm. I was just saying that, like, um, he, uh, See, this is the problem. You start digging down this vine, you <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not trying to speak. Uh, for that experience at all or like you know mm. um, be patronising about it either going like oh you know like but I this was someone I know he thought that was good and have you seen Soul? Like no I don't know like, I'd, like I'd love to hear Disney music. stuff like what sorry? I don't like Disney stuff at all man the last Disney thing that was I thought Wally was good I thought Wally was alright yeah, Wally's good Monsters University I enjoyed though it's totally like you know catch it on a Sunday morning kind of good mm. not like I go into the cinema good Mm. Was it was that Monsters Inc. or was that the Mon- sequel? To it's Monsters sequel oh, okay. or prequel, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, I'd like to hear musicians' point of view on Soul because I don't really know jazz very well, mm. but I feel that the jazz in the film is a very kind of cleaned up mm. version of jazz. Probably, and it's like the idea that this is his like yeah, it's like the idea that this is like his kind of like his passion. Jazz is like. Or soul, I guess. Uh, it may as well be anything. It may as well be chess. Coming back to Queen's Gambit <laughs> again. Also, there's like a checkerboard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to hear a musician's point of view of it because it just kind of sat with me as like, this doesn't feel like the kind of like edgy music that somebody whose life is driven by this stuff would want. This sounds like the kind of marketable stuff that, you know, white Disney executives would like to promote. Mm. Well, it was a bit like La La Land. Did you see La La Land? No, but I did watch Whiplash, which was his other film. Oh, yeah, good point, actually. Whiplash is another good example because, mm. um, like, you know, some of the points the film was making or the sort of plot points were, like, rocky or something, you know. It's like this whole, you've got to try harder, you've got to work harder. Yeah. That was what it was trying to be. It was like a rocky type storyline set in the music world. Jazz, Whiplash? Like, hard, uh, Whiplash is sort of... Yeah. You know, and I liked it. Like I kind of thought it was a good story and it was interesting context. But mm. 
there's you know laughable bad moments in that film laughably bad musical moments like where he's like faster play this and my tempo and all this yeah. it's like people don't get on like that like fucking hell get yeah. you know it's just so ridiculous man and then and just some of the um counts and stuff he was like counting the band in and it was just totally wrong <laughs> like he really? was like one two three four and then they're playing like a three four thing in a completely different tempo and you're like <laughs> What was that there? I'm quite what, surprised what that, that that stuff was wrong. That's why, yeah, it, it is so kind of like glaringly bad. But I mean, the, I think it you sort of get it. Like you sort of get like for the scene to have the yeah, impact, yeah. you need the guy to say this thing in a certain way, and so they have to kind of cut corners. Like mm. on the other hand, it's like why bother doing it if you're not going to fucking pay homage to these things properly? Like it's just it's yeah, just a Hollywoodization of I because it was nice. Poems, he- you know, it was nice hearing. Uh, I can't say his name, can I? Uh, it was nice hearing our friend's opinion on the Queen's Gambit, saying that the chess in it was like was spot on, yeah. because that did make it kind of more compelling to watch, is knowing that that stuff, while undernourished in the story, was was genuine, which meant it gave it a lot more flavour. And I suppose I kind of thought that about like Whiplash until now. You're telling me it was like no, it's not all of Whiplash is shit. Like, but uh, there is some pretty glaring mm. moments. Like if you're sort of mm. a jazzy person, or well, I noticed a couple of things, and then I watched a documentary about some of the other things that which I didn't really pick up on, but it was mm. like, oh yeah, once it was pointed out. But mm. so there's certain flaws in that sense. But I, it La La Land was similar. Like it. It's supposed to be about him wanting to be this jazz player and stuff, and then he's playing all this really <laughs> basic stuff, I, and you're like, oh, I've got ah. a tepid take on these things, which is all this like bravado about like how important jazz is and how important it is to be an artist is entirely a front to disguise the fact that it is a white man intruding into black music. I <laughs> uh, so it's like cultural appropriation and you're going well it's okay for me to steal this music like I don't know I do think like jazz I just feel it in my soul man I just have to play it I just it's in me I, I have to tell the world what jazz is I have to redefine it on my terms mm. not their terms mm. you know what I mean them demons demons yeah um like no I, I don't know that's probably extrapolating a little too much but like I do think there is a there is an element um, of that. There's an interesting... I've heard this conversation come up a few times um, that it was only really when the Beatles came along that the whole it's about yourself and your expression mm. became a thing. And before... I mean, it did happen in jazz with some of the big players, I guess. They were sort of iconic people. Cap Calloway, like, I mean... Some just, like, you know, Wells Davis and all them mm. fuckers. Like, just all these guys who were like, whoa, you know... Um, they defined the scene. Yeah, like completely revolutionized the way people thought about it and everything, mm. which apparently is really significant, but I just kind of go, oh, it's loads of notes, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just so used to hearing like all these different things, like jazz is this, <laughs> or jazz is this. <laughs> you know, and these are all apparently really significant things. I'm like, yeah. You ever heard the rock around the clock tonight? Yeah, the one note, the one note uh, saxophone solo. I, yeah, as a musician, is do you have any kind of contrary view that that is not just fucking terrible? There's a really good um, Adam Neely video about this. Actually, mm. he kind of does my head and like mm. fucking. I have a lot of respect for him. Like he's a very very knowledgeable guy, but he's such a 
fucking mm. anyway, staring down the lens, going, oh, "What you'll think? What you think this?" And I'm just <laughs> gonna show you how wrong and stupid you are. Mm. <laughs> Is like, he the thought nice. slime guy? No, no, no. Adam Neely. Uh, it's just the Adam Neely show or whatever. Mm. He's his knowledge on jazz and stuff is fucking phenomenal. Like he really is. Um, he's a cool guy. Like anyway, I just don't like him. <laughs> I love everything. <laughs> anyway, what do you say? What do you say? Yes, anyway, sorry. It's just I had to get that out. Um, he did a good video about mm. the one note bass solo and uh, or uh, saxophone solos, and he was mm. like, "Is this the worst solo of all time?" And he was kind of comparing these two, like a mm. couple of records where people were like, "No, that's that's really bad," because he kind of goes out of tune and then he goes out of time mm. and then he kind of pulls it back and all this sort of stuff. But he was, I think, he was making a good defense for it and stuff as well, because mm. there were there was precedent for it. Like there was loads of music at that time where the solo was just like, "Meh, meh, na, na, na." And it was just like, what the fuck? It's kind of funny. Is it like kind of copying the vocal melody or something? Is that what, like, because Rock Around the Clock is a bit like that, isn't it? It's time to rock around the clock. Yeah, it's a bit like. I'm not sure. What the hell was it about? I think it was maybe more fit into that jv music that was just about dancing so it wasn't about showing off it was more about like keeping Being the group loud and, and yeah yeah. Mm. yeah like it's a bit like mm. some of the sort of modern r&b stuff where you kind of get like mm. a sound you know like a really sort of annoying buzzy noise it's like me 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 oh yeah baby fuck you got a real banger on the go here <laughs> <laughs> In the club, I'm gonna drink some shots. Gonna get it down. We're going like that. Sorry. It's a hit. I'm into this. <laughs> I was listening so, to so is that the idea of like a big kick and a real fucking annoying lead. Yeah, that's it. Like, and then maybe we snare. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think you've got a next got a song, a project on the in the club tonight. How we do? You think there's been like a massive, like you know, just sudden drop of interest in that stuff since clubs have been closed for nearly a year? <laughs> yeah. Makes you think. Makes you think. <laughs> I mean, was it really about the COVID, or was it about? Trying to oppress the music of the, the the music in our hearts. It's just what we want to express, man. Should be allowed to express it. Mm. Should be allowed to steal whatever music I want. Go for it. Um, but no, I don't. No, I don't think that. <laughs> That's the opposite of what I what I think. <laughs> no, um, that music is terrible. But there's good, there's good music in that genre. Just not that stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching, Martin? Um, I did ask. <laughs> <laughs> I went on a bit of a uh, John Candy. Oh, oh, not because not because uh, I write no. I my hole. No, I was just I was really in the mood for some you know wholesome warm Canadian fat guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John! Girl, I, I want a bit of Canadian bacon. <laughs> That's what's funny. He has a movie called Canadian Bacon. That was the joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You knew this. Did yes. I underestimated your knowledge. Mm. Sure, I knew who Ben Kingley's was. Kingley's. <laughs> Kingley's. My, my my tongue sort of like crashed in the middle of saying that. Ben Kingley's. Brian Kingley's. Fuck is Brian Kingley's? I 
Morgan Stanley. Can't believe those children were bit crushed. <laughs> has gotten to me. <laughs> uh, so you'll be watching Martin. <laughs> no, I think that's it. I think we'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you for joining. <laughs>